Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And of course, when you talk about things in the garden, we think green. And when we think green, well, we think about the environment. So today, it's not just about what you can do in your garden, although I'm very blessed at the moment for having so much rain. I think we're all blessed for that, and that makes life a lot easier to deal with, I think, especially when it's coming up to the midst of summer and you had no rain. Doesn't mean we should not be thinking about saving water, though. So we've got to be environmentally conscious, which is why I got onto this whole thing about how can we be more environmentally conscious with things like lack of water, about water pollution, about shot hole borer taking down our trees. I mean, there's so much negativity out there when it comes and people saying, what can I do? Well, there's quite a lot you can do, actually to make a difference to the world that we live in, the people getting their knickers in a knot about plastic in the oceans, about plastic bottles, about one single-use plastics. We can do something about that. And it's only if we come together or somebody gives us a really great idea that we actually can get moving. So there is stuff that you're going to do. And we're not talking about just making eco-bricks like we have in the past. If you've forgotten how to do that, go and look for the podcast on that. It is out there and about, but we're going to find out how so many other people have gotten involved when it comes to reducing their waste. And if they do have stuff that it could go into a landfill, how they are now upcycling it. A few years ago, I came across Winnie McHenry um, through looking for old telephone directories. I put a plea out because the schools do paper recycling and I'm very involved with uh, that. And they were doing a telephone directory drive. People are saying, why do we still have telephone directories? Well, because there's a lot of people out there who are still old school and they have landlines and they don't have smartphones. So the only way that they can get the number is either to phone through and hold on forever to wait for somebody to give them the number or they use a telephone directory to find the number. However, because of this, I got very excited about the fact that here was somebody who said, well, come and c- I've got a whole bunch of telephone directories. Come and have a look. And then I had a look at everything else that she had. And in those days, it was only a couple of years ago, I think it was, I'm going to ask Winnie herself, was it that the start of the journey or where did your journey into the preservation of the environment come from? Um, okay, my journey started years before that. So even when I was in school, I was one of these kids that was running around trying to tie myself to trees and save the planet and did a lot of work with Greenpeace volunteering and stuff. So always trying to find out how we can make a difference. It was always about not having money to actually go out and buy stuff and whatever. And there was always so much stuff that you had lying around that you can always turn into different products and things. That was me, like, in high school and stuff and then you know life happens you Mm -hmm. go and you work you do the normal stuff I studied interior design and then from there I ended up working at the Randberg Career Center sort of helping people go on to learnerships you know you never stick with the thing that you studied or what you actually intend to do and in that learnership there was a well there was a whole bunch of different learnerships but there was a particular learnership called the Venture Creations Learnership so they would teach people how to do all the business skills, the marketing, the business admin and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the learnership, they would give the learners a stipend and say, go off and start a business. Mm. And nobody knew what to do. So they didn't would, know how to make a business. It would either yeah. be a little spaza shop or a dry cleaner. So it was a very difficult thing for me to see. And I thought, you know what, I can actually go and teach people how to actually make stuff. I've always been very creative. I did sewing, crochet, mosaic, candle making. I've always 
love doing stuff with Being my a crafty hands. person, hey? <laughs> Very much, sure. So with the interior design skills, it was I could identify things that would be of high value and that people would want to buy. Mm. So I thought I'll spend my weekends and my time actually going into communities and teaching people how to actually make products. And then realizing that communities don't have money to go off and buy virgin materials to actually make stuff. And then it was for me the perfect time to go, well, you know what, we can actually teach people how to make a living but use waste instead of virgin materials. And then that's I just spiraled from there into this love of teaching and training people but actually mm. just showing people that every single bit of waste has actually got value. But when people think of waste, they think of landfills. They think of all the stuff that people have thrown away in their dustbins. But that's not the kind of waste that we're actually talking about. For me, it was pretty much that. I mean, oh, a really? Lot of the From the, in the beginning? Yeah, a lot of the communities I worked with was like on landfill and parents and people and animals and child all living on a landfill and digging through landfills and actually mo- mostly eating from the landfill, which is very, very scary. But for me, it was like, yeah, it's an amazing free source of product and we can teach people, first of all, the difference between the pet and the, all the different types of recycled materials mm-hmm. so you can directly turn that into cash. But the stuff that can't be recycled, you can turn into other products that you can either make doormats for your house or curtains or make something that your neighbor needs so you can start making it and turning it into product that somebody would want. Now, look, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that we buy, like on a a day-to-day basis. I mean, even we're sitting here and and drinking water from plastic bottles when we all know (laughs) we we shouldn't be doing that. But, um, I mean, some of us, I mean, what I do is I'll take the bottle and I'll use it a few times and then, you know, every single time washing it out really well. And then eventually I'll fill it out, uh, fill it up with Recycled water, not recycled water, filtered water, water. (laughs) not recycled water. That would be awful. But taking it out and giving it to the beggars on the side of the street so at least they aren't kind of like expiring from heat. When it comes to corporates, a lot of the time you think about the corporate gifting. You think about big events that everybody has to have a hat and everybody has to have a T-shirt and everything. everybody has to have one of these or those. And a lot of the time the stuff either doesn't get given away or the people who has given – you know, who it's been given to, have no use for it further down the line because it's all branded. That is, I mean, people say, well, that's a, that in itself is such waste. Why are cor- corporates still doing this, branding all of their stuff? Surely they should be saying, actually, we're not going to brand it because we can take everything afterwards and just pass it on without having to try and get rid of the branding. Uh, it's a difficult one because people, the, the, the demand for it is still there. People are definitely wanting corporate gifts, but uh, there's definitely a trend for people going more green, starting mm-hmm. to do much more recycled kind of things. And for us, it's also the there is so much waste just in basic industry and mass production. So a lot of the work that we now do, like we started off with a lot of household recycling and that kind of stuff, but because there's so many more people actually understanding the value in the in the recycled stuff, we've moved on to actually trying to work with stuff that can't be recycled. Mm-hmm. So helping corporates take their actual waste from the industry or byproducts or excess stock and either turning it into something new by like re-engineering it and getting a, corp- a community involved in ma- remaking it into something else. Or like with some of the corporates we have, they've just got excess stock, excess corporate gifting, a lot of stuff that's of value to somebody, but they're mm-hmm. not sure how to get it to the right people. And we kind of tie the hands between the two people to be able to say, well, if you've got this kind of waste, these are the people that need it. But the problem in that is because of the corporate gifting, there's the branding on it. So what we do is we sanitize it. We make sure that there is no branding on it so that it can be given to a community or it can be sold or whatever so that we can incorporate making some of the costs for our community-based projects. 
Okay, but how do you get rid of, say, the branding that's branded all over a T-shirt? Yeah, it's a difficult one. So if a T-shirt like is completely branded, we will actually cut the T-shirt up into long, thin strips and turn it into like wool to be able to make dog blankets or rugs or mats and that kind of stuff. Mm. So it does depend on where it's branded and how it's branded, but everything can be turned into something different. It doesn't have to be thrown away. And for us, it's really about teaching people that you can just look at things differently and see the value in it. And in that whole process, we teach people to actually see the value in themselves because if you can transform something with your own hands into something of higher value, it gives you that sense of achievement and you actually start appreciating who you are. I mean, when when people see that they have this design element in them, mm. it really transforms people while they're transforming waste into something that's of high value to somebody else. But it's also nice taking, I wouldn't say upcycling, but upskilling people who, who don't have it. And when we hear the stories like all over social media, there's a group of people down in PE, I think it is in the Eastern Cape, who have been taking plastic and turning them into sleeping mats for the homeless. Mm. They're people who have got all these wonderful initiatives, but those are people who are really skilled. But in this one, as you said, you're taking it that step further and giving people the tools they need to be able to go out and actually make money for themselves. Yes. So the main thing for us is that it's not really teaching people how to make a product, but it's teaching people how to look at things differently and look at the design and the, the different ways that you can do stuff. So we teach people all of the different crafting methodologies so that if you see a plastic water bottle and some pieces of broken glass and a few beads lying around, you won't think in one field. You'll mm. think, I can take that bottle and those pieces of mirror and stick it on here and do this and then, and all of a sudden I've got a light fitting. But if you don't have the varied skills, you only see one product and you can't then look at the, if you're looking and you can make something out of a milk bottle, you're not going to all of a sudden look at a piece of glass and see what you can do with that. So it's you're very narrow-minded. It's almost. interesting what you say about the milk bottle because one of my favorite gardening guru people Jane uh, from Jane's Delicious Garden, she had a post up on social media a, a couple of weeks ago where she had these wonderful pictures. She, she's also incredibly creative and, and an artist as well, and she loves that and she loves to cook. But she took the white milk bottle and she's been creating these birds, yes. but cutting them up. And she's created this whole flight of fantasy, as she calls it. And it's lovely to see what she says. Now, some of us are not as blessed when it comes to being artistic. In fact, my mom always used to say I was more autistic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, you, you can see what people come up with and then try and emulate it. So I mean, there's no reason you can't actually give it a go yourself. But it's nice if you are somebody who has that design skill. So are you teaching people who have no design background whatsoever? Yes. So the thing for me is it's that peop everybody was put on this planet with their hands and that's all we had. We weren't given a calculator and a textbook and made to be accountants. Mm. We all are creative. Creativity is kind of taught out of us and when our friends laugh at us, we think we're not creative and eventually you get to a point where you're too scared to even show your creativity because of the fear of what somebody's going to do or say. Everybody's got the creativity and what I normally do is I say to a person, take one particular item and challenge yourself to say, mm. you know what, I'm not going to have a mixed range of different items on the desk. I'm going to take a two-liter milk bottle, and I'm not allowed to do anything else for an entire month. I have to look at what I can do for myself, like as jewelry items. What, how can I make a milk bottle into jewelry? How can I make it into shoes? How can I make a handbag from it? How can I use it in the kitchen or in the garden? Or When you, you get so limited with this milk bottle that the ideas start flowing it's it's actually quite crazy but mm. you get so much more creativity when you're stuck with one little thing 
and it really is about playing because the more you play, the more the creativity comes. But I've also found that I think a lot of the people who are doing most of the work when it comes to upcycling and to being caring about the environment, sure, there's a lot of people who, you know, have time on their hands. But I think it's the people who are working out in gardens yeah. and people who are working with design indoors as well who are coming up with these amazingly innovative ways of using things. But it's also people who have got nothing. I mean, I've seen – I sit there and I look at those guys who do those beaded birds on the side of the road, and their work is phenomenal, what they can do with beer cans. I mean, that is art, and you sit there and you, and you think, they're selling it for so little, and we don't actually appreciate what goes into it, because I couldn't do that. No, absolutely. And it's, it is really, really difficult, because until you're actually sitting there – and spending the amount of time that it takes to make one little bird, you mm. don't understand the value in it. And that's also the thing. I mean, people think because it's waste, it's going to be money for you automatically. Mm. So just because you have the stuff available, people don't want to actually pay for the time it takes for the, and the artistry behind actually turning something into something of value. Mm. So that is a challenge for communities because when they try and sell it to people, they have to sell it out of their community because the value isn't there. But the value is in corporates and other people outside of the community actually understanding the reason for upcycling and the value in the recycling process. Well, the main reason for upcycling and recycling is that we don't fill up all the landfills, which are going to be filled. Yeah, very soon. We're going to run out of landfill space in how many years? Yeah, very, very soon. The thing is that we, our problem in South Africa is we're just going to find new ones, you know, and we have to actually fix the problem before it becomes a major, major issue. We, we live in a throwaway generation, and I think also we live in a throwaway country from the point of view that um, you don't see those things saying zap it in a zibi anymore. No, there's There no used to be collection mm, of people absolutely. being aware, don't just throw things on the ground. And I mean, I get so frustrated when I'm driving behind people and they're just throwing bottles out the window and, you know, fast food wrappers and whatever. There's a lack of caring, I think, and that's why we, if we get to the communities and say, right, you need to turn around and tell people, don't do that. Think of it doing it a different way. The hard thing is, and it sounds like a really crazy thing, but people that come from an, from areas where they don't understand that stuff isn't biodegradable. I mean, and, and it sounds mad, but a lot of people have never had anything other than basic foods and stuff. Mm. So we come from a world where us as rich people or whatever, all of a sudden create these new products mm that make life easier, quicker, faster. So we're blending plastics. We're doing all of this stuff and making this, these packagings and things that are not biodegradable. Mm. But we grew up and we came, f- like when we initially landed on this planet, you could take an apple and throw it out the window and it would biodegrade. Yes. Now it doesn't biodegrade anymore, but nobody's educated people that that doesn't just happen. So people, a lot of the people I work with honestly feel that it's just packaging or it's just the, and they don't understand it. Mm. So there's a lot of education going that needs to happen behind it, but we don't do it anymore. When we were growing up, there was all those like adverts. There was a lot of stuff at school telling us about waste, why it's important. That doesn't happen anymore. And the worst part about it is there's a lot of issues with service delivery and stuff, Mm -hmm. especially in communities where there is no access to dustbins and that kind of stuff. So it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So for us, it's like, let's teach them how to actually turn it into something that makes value so it doesn't end up all just piled on the side of the road. One of the things that people want to know when it comes to recycling, I mean, it is great that now, I mean, here in Johannesburg, for instance, they have started the, the rolling out of in various suburbs where you can um, 
take all your recyclables, put them into a specific bin. It also then helps all the informal traders uh, or garbage collectors um, before pick it up comes around to pick everything up, um, which is great that we see that there is a bit of input coming in from our governance now. But um, I mean, it's going to take a while to roll it out all over the world. I mean, I think our most famous trees here in South Africa weren't the acacias. They were actually those those plastic rubbish bin kind of trees that, you know, the trees that had all the pieces of plastic bag hanging from them. Whenever you drive anywhere through the Eastern Cape and KZN specifically, or up and into various parts of Pumalanga, Limpopo, all of those trees just had plastic. So at least they brought it in that you had to buy a plastic bag. Mm. So it would make you think twice about actually just saying, yes, give me a plastic. Yes. Okay. So it's nice to see that people are getting involved. There are companies that are now, obviously, like the supermarket chains, using recycled plastic bags, telling people, recycle your bags. There are people who are bringing in uh, biodegradable bags. Although the best is when somebody turned around and said, why can't we put compost into a biodegradable bag? Like You do know what compost is, hey. <laughs> the bag will just kind of keep on, and you've got nowhere to keep your compost. So, But they're even thinking about things like that as well. How to recycle billboards into, I mean, there's a, a company called, um, they do all of the Bokashi stuff. Um, they also go out and they get the old billboards and they turn those into compost bags. So there is a lot of thought process with people thinking, how can we make this work? So how can people who are out there thinking, I really want to get involved, I want to do something, how can they get involved? Um, Apart from obviously kind of bringing things to you. But I know you're running out of space as well. Yeah, it's difficult because we um, can't take everything because we would drown. So for me, I think the first thing is that people just do need to understand that recycling is the first point of entry. A lot of people complain about the fact that there is no infrastructure for them. I mean, in Joburg, it's done quite well, but as you go further out, it's it's a lot more difficult. So I always say to people, the best thing to do is always to separate your stuff, Mm. even though we don't have separation at source maybe in your area. But the guys at the informal pickers or whatever – they do come and take that stuff. And instead of them going through your whole dustbin and throwing everything everywhere, if you've got your bag of tins and your bag of plastic and your bag of paper, they'll take what they want and leave the rest because they know that the rest of the bin it doesn't have recycled stuff in it. Mm. So it does clean up and make it easier for you not to have them go through your entire bin. From that point, you can always get involved with upcycling. There's so much resources out there. The, the world is starting to understand what upcycling is. A few years ago when I said the word upcycling, people had no idea what I was talking about. Mm. But it's definitely becoming a phrase and an understanding now. So you can, even if you go into Pinterest, you can see ideas of how to upcycle stuff. But not everybody has the time and the resources to do that. So the thing to do is to take the stuff that you have and find a company or a place that's doing recycling or upcycling already. We do do a lot of projects with communities, so we can always help you and tell you where to take different things because we know we have a network of the people that are doing various upcycled stuff. So it's easy enough for us to give you information and resources. And then we also definitely help big corporates to actually look at ways of turning whatever waste that they have into a viable product and then help them with CSR projects Mm. to set up community-based projects to turn their waste into something of value. Have you had a lot of great input from corporates people so far we have so we do work with quite a few different corporates where we actually have taken completely weird and wonderful stuff somebody will come along and go we've got these funny little bright pink balls we need to do something with them and then we will sit with the community it's part of the uh, training and design thinking when we Mm -hmm. actually work with the community to teach them how to look at stuff differently 
So in that process, we'll actually sit with the pink balls and the community will come up with different various options, do a couple of prototypes for the, whoever it is, and then either they would buy it back as something that they would be able to use or it can become something that they could donate to a community. Mm. So we could turn it into cushions or, and then it's something that they can either donate or buy back as a corporate gift. Oh, that's amazing. I, mean, I just love the idea that you know, getting people involved and teaching people how to do stuff. I mean, for me, education is always one of the best things. And you have people sitting there, especially, I mean, well, not the, the informal, is it the formal figure or the informal figure of kind of close on 30% unemployment in this country at the moment? Whereas some people say we, we're not taking the informal traders into account when it comes to that. So a lot more people are probably actually employed, but not formally. Yes. Um, so, I mean, this would come under that as well. But how, I mean, are you just training people here in Johannesburg? Have you moved further afield? So we're mostly in Johannesburg, but we've done um, a community in Durban and in Cape Town. So we are trying to get out as far as, far as we can, because obviously the sooner we can get a, a centre based in each of the major provinces, mm-hmm. we can actually be able to help corporates in each of those different areas. But it would be also nice to take it out into, what they say, the Latin, going to the, mid, the middle of the Valley of a Thousand Hills in KZN, for instance. Exactly, into the places where it's really difficult because there is no actual recycling centres mm-hmm. ready to start with. So those are the prime places to start it with because those communities don't, they have very specific types of waste, so it's mm. easier for them to actually look at the, as I was saying earlier with the with the milk bottle, you've got a few different products, so it's not you're not overwhelmed with all the fifty million things that there are. So it's yeah. easier to actually create projects and ideas with those people in those areas. Well, you think about that's where Ardmore came from, which is mm. now one of the most desirable things. I mean, people living down in an area who had a little bit of artistic bent, and all of a sudden they started making mm. clay things. And it became like one of the most hugely collectible thing. And that was upskilling people, yes. getting their, their pottery side on. And uh, there's a, a whole group of people. I think they're very kind of organized down in the Midlands for some reason, down there in KZN, where they've also got um, people who make shwe There's a lot of crafters in the Midlands, Lots. meander area. So they're doing and they do a lot of work thing. with the communities to mm. actually get to teaching the people there. And I think we should be seeing a lot more of that happening in other parts of the country as well. Definitely. And people have, as I say, people are naturally talented because, and a lot of people that aren't doing work or haven't got anything to do, that's what they do. They sit and play with the kids and in that playing and whatever, you start creating stuff. Mm. Okay, so now if um, a corporate is listening right now and they're thinking, hmm, I've got something, what kind of stuff will you take from them? Anything that doesn't rot. (laughs) So we don't do biodegradable stuff and obviously we don't do any like health hazard kind of stuff. Mm. But anything else really we can actually help you look at a project and turn it into something of value. Well, one of the ones I liked that you were talking about when we were chatting the other day was um, with the T-shirts. And I'm like, okay, so you've got this T-shirt. It's got the name blazoned across the chest of it. So, well, we're going to cut it off here and we're going to turn these into little bags. Yeah. And you've got a whole group of people who are now learning to do that. Turn it into a drawstring bag. And what we can't use, we've got a bunch of ladies that are actually making teddy bears. So you make these big circles, you join all the little circles together and you've got a teddy bear. So even in that process, the little bits of cut up t-shirt that are left over becomes the stuffing for the teddy bear. So every part of it gets used. Uh, Your poor house though, I mean, what was it you had? How many containers or trucks loads arrive at your place one day? (laughs) Yeah, so we get about an eight ton truck a week of random stuff. Um, so that's one particular corporate that gives us all of the excess branded stock that we help clean up and we sell the products to generate income for the community-based project. 
Okay, so now how many people have you actually got working with you? I mean, this sounds quite daunting with the amount of mm. stuff that you've got coming in because you've got the shop, you're running courses, you're teaching people how to do things, plus you're having to like make sure that you get all of this stuff in, plus people who are sanitizing it. Yes. So how many people are running this whole thing? Yeah, so I don't employ people. I've, my main thing is to actually teach people how to work for themselves. It teaches them that sense of responsibility and to turn somebody from absolutely nothing into an entrepreneur that is actually making money for themselves. Is That's where my joy is and where my passion really lies. So we've got a whole bunch of different people doing different things and they all move around in all those different aspects. Mm. So yeah, we've got about 25 different trainers. We've got about 18 people de-branding and helping us move boxes and that kind of stuff around. We've got a few people running the shop. So I would say all told there's about 45 people throughout the operation that do different things. And are you finding now that people are becoming a little bit more scared about what's happening with the world that you're getting a lot more airplay, if we can use it like that, and people are becoming more wanting to get involved? Definitely, because also what's happening is the DTIs are stopping a lot of people from landfilling because that was their only solution. Mm. Legislation is definitely pushing people to find different solutions. And it is really difficult because with the most upcyclers that there are, people are very product-specific, Whereas we look at your waste and find an alternative, we'll find something to do with it and turn it into something, not just a, a pity project and not something that's going to end up becoming a one one use and then back into landfill anyway. Mm. So, so there, there is no real options other than actually to upcycle if it can't be recycled. And part of the corporate CSI, I mean, their social responsibility, are they keen to help you by putting money in for training of people as well or just giving you product? If your product is of high value, they try and just give you the product. As I was saying earlier, people think because they're giving you their recycled stuff, there must be value and therefore automatically you're going to make money. But it is a challenge because you do need to actually train people and there's a lot of skills and training involved. So they do recognize that and they do get involved on the training level. Okay. Now the shop is in Newlands. Yes, Greymont Newlands. Yes, and uh, on, on, the, on that strip where all of those antique shops are and the furniture stores and yes. things, which is always such a lovely place to go and hunt around for various bits and pieces so i mean how long have you had the shop open there now so we moved in there in may but then we didn't we actually opened the shop itself um june july yeah so we've been going with this um pro this current project mm. with all the debranded corporate gifting since uh september basically so we're still trying to figure out what we're doing because it's a bit of a chaotic thing at the moment we uh, weren't really going to become like a whole shop shelf like that kind of thing mm. so we, the whole retail space is very new for all of us so we're learning that but it is f a, a nice creative way for people to be thrown in the deep end and learn some more new skills so it's quite interesting <laughs> okay so if people in other parts of the country want you to come down and teach them and uh, get involved somehow down there how would they get hold of you yes yeah, so they can get hold of us through our website it's quite easy it's just upcycle so upcycle.co.za and my phone number, contact details and everything are on our website. So that's the easiest way to get hold of me. Well, I think that this is one of these things that we should all be getting behind because, I mean, I, I'm trying to reduce my waste. I'm trying to reduce everything. And, of course, my children don't have a choice in it. Um, we even recycle every single thing. I think we throw away maybe about kind of two handfuls of stuff a week. Everything else gets That's recycled. Amazing. So people get with the program. And as you said, if you want to check out what they're doing and uh, if you want to visit the shop, it's in Long Street in um, Newlands, Greymont, on that border there. Otherwise, upcycle.co.za. And Winnie, thank you so much. 
Awesome. And spending your time with us. And um, yeah, let's see what we can get going and keep telling us what's happening and, and how things are going. We, we will do. <laughs> give feedback to people all over the country as well. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again uh, with more gardening greens next time. So don't miss out on that one. Above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.